Welcome to episode 17 of the Smash or Pass podcast, part of the Smash Accept network of podcasts. Guys, we got a great show tonight. You know, Snoog's back in the chamber, ready to, to kind of go over things. Snoog, how you been, brother? Good. The only thing that feels different now is I'm not going back to school in the fall. But yeah, I'm congratulations on graduating, man. Nice. Awesome. Big things That's coming. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we got a great show. We're going to talk about wide receivers. We're going to kind of go over values like we've been. Nobody better, and I'm super excited to get him on the show. You know, we've been chopping it up for a while. My man, JCJ Dynasty from at the, from the Dynasty DGENs podcast. How you doing? Good, Dad. Yeah, I'm really happy to be on with you and Snow. We've been circling this for a while now. Two guys that I really enjoy talking to in the space about Dynasty football in general. So we're just going to talk wide receivers and go, I don't know, what, 60 deep maybe? We'll do five whole rounds of this thing. Let's see what happens. Oh, we got it, man. So for, for the listeners that don't aren't familiar with your work, you know, and you guys should definitely be following him at JCJ Dynasty. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your background, how you got started, how long you've been doing this and what you're really working on right now. Yeah. So when I was in college, me and my buddies, I, I was a football fan my entire life growing up, played it and stuff. But my one buddy was obsessed with the NFL draft when I first got to college and we just started doing mock drafts and we were doing all of the players in the NFL in general. And we did them on our mirror for our closet and we called them mirror mocks, did all these things. And then I kind of stumbled across Dynasty around 2019, figured out that that was a thing. And I was like, ooh, like this is this is fun. I could be like an actual GM as opposed to redraft and I could kind of shape a team in my my image of of prolonged success. And that's why I like Dynasty so much. So that was a good time of, to start. I mean, did you, mm-hmm. did you trade your 2020 first? That's the real question. You know, you started no. in 2019. Oh, that's then that was beautiful. Like uh, so many people in the industry, like I kind of got started in, in 2014, you know, when the OBJ, Mike Evans, like there's, there's a lot of booms in Dynasty, right? Like 2014, 2017, 2020. Yes. And I think again, in, in 2023, like there's going to be a lot of people that are like, Hey, this class really like made me interested in Dynasty and it just keeps growing. So how did you go from that to, to content creation because like I found your work on, on Twitter and it is fantastic. I mean, it, like you do a lot of great work with, with analytics and looking things up and, and really working with that and then into the podcast. So tell me about your evolution with that. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And you guys do great work as well. And I enjoy talking about dynasty with you guys. When I, the reason why I did it was because I was kind of like just skulking around, lurking around dynasty Twitter, not posting anything of my own, but just trying to see other opinions and what other people in the industry were thinking uh, about. And I was doing officer candidate school for the national guard at the time. And I was so stressed out between work and that. And I just had a child at the time. So I had a lot of things going on and I was like, you know what, like maybe I'll just start posting my own stuff because it'll be a, a good way for me to find some kind of release. So I, Went on Twitter, kind of created my own account, and I just started posting stuff. Right? You know, originally you're shouting out into the void, and you have no idea if anybody's even looking at it or anything like that. But I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, and I've gotten to meet some great people along the way and gotten to learn 
a lot about the dynasty format as well. Stuff that I didn't even think about beforehand. I love it. And for, for people that aren't familiar, you know, with your dynasty DJs podcast, talk to me a little bit about the format of that, because, you know, like right now there's so much dynasty content out there. Like what, what's the thing that, you know, separates you guys? What is some, some things that you guys are working on? Yeah. And, and I do it with, um, with nerd boy. So it's, it's him and I, and what I, what I wanted to do was bring on people from all different walks of the dynasty landscape in terms of film guys analytics people, Debbie people talking about these future firsts and stuff like that. So I wanted to be able to get a podcast that you could learn something new every single week, that it's not just one person or two people talking about the same things, more or less. I want to do a little dynasty theory, a little scouting, a little analytics, mm-hmm. dive into those advanced metrics, because a lot of those those uh, numbers are a lot of jargon and stuff like that. But people might not necessarily know exactly what they mean. So I wanted to put some kind of context to them for the audience. I love it. I just like to hear people's stories. You know, everybody's is, are completely different, you know, of how they got started. And, and you know, Snoog's is different. And mine's different. They're all completely different. And it's part about where our journey is and how we can, you know, back each other up and, and build as a community. And I think that's something that I really respect about you from day one. You've always been, you know, retweeting and checking other people's content and really trying to be a, a positive voice in the in the industry. So I applaud you for that. Now, let's let's jump into this. Right. We're going to do wide receiver only mock the, the wide receiver landscape, you know, with the rookies in has been shaken up quite a bit. You know, I know Snoop and I love a bunch of the rookies that we're going to be talking about, but you got the one oh one, you know, last week when we did this, we kind of chopped it up and I got the one-on-one just trying to mess with it, but you got the one-on-one seems like an easy choice. Who are you rolling with? Yeah. I, I went with Justin Jefferson and you gave me the option of what pick uh, I was going to take. So, you know, how could you go wrong with Justin Jefferson? Uh, Snug and I are in a, a startup. He recently just went one Oh four in a super flex dynasty startup. So that kind of shows what, how he's being viewed in the market. And he's essentially a cheat code because, he produces like an elite quarterback, but you get to slot him in at the wide receiver position every single week. So Justin Jefferson on his on a historic path through his first three seasons in the NFL, and I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. I think the interesting thing, I mean, I was looking at it. We talked with our last episode with Scott Connor, and we was looking at value over replacement. You know, so he scores 171 points over a replacement level player. I mean, that's absurd. That's not even in in the stratosphere of other players. You look at what Justin Jefferson's able to do with his value. What I got to ask you, uh, Jeremy, is if you're looking at it at that 104 spot, I mean, you're giving up Joe Burrow. You got to start looking up, you know, roster type construction. Talk to me a little bit about where you find Justin Jefferson going, because you get into this area, in my opinion, Justin Jefferson is worth more than, you know, say, Justin Fields or some of those guys in that area. Wow. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about the the pitfalls of taking a wide receiver there and where you're willing to take him in a startup. Yeah, and I think that's a good point as well, especially in a super flex draft that you have to make sure that you lock up your quarterback position, especially if you are drafting that high in, high in the draft. Um, I believe the person that drafted him at 104 ended up with uh, – Daniel Jones and Tua maybe as his quarterback. So all in all, not not too terrible for drafting Jefferson, but I don't think you could plan on that particularly. So I would probably draft Justin Jefferson. I'd feel comfortable drafting him at like 107, I think. After yeah. after like those first six quarterbacks, Justin Fields, my QB six. So I think after those six guys, I think you could then start having that conversation of, okay, does Justin Jefferson give me – you would have to talk about like Lamar probably in that category as well mm-hmm. at that 107. But I think that's when you could really start to narrow in that Justin Jefferson's probably the BPA on the board at that point. 
Yeah, when Snoog and I were doing Smash Except 9, it was difficult in that area, right? Like, because you got to, I mean, do you want Fields? Do you want Lawrence? Do you want Lamar? Or do you want to go with Jefferson? I mean, Jefferson's just been so good. You know, if you look at 368 fantasy points last year, that's 40 over over even Tyreek Hill. Like, he was phenomenal. Like, you just can't replace that, what he's done over the first couple of years. I am going to go, and it, it, again, in that same tier for me, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is right there. I think, you know, if you can get anything on top of either of them, I would definitely do that. I think Jamar Chase, you look at what he's able to do, especially with the quarterback that he's tied to. The only difference for me is Cousins is starting to get a little bit older for Jefferson. Chase has Burrow, and they're connected for a while. We don't know if T. Higgins will, will be back next year. When when Justin, or when or Jamar Chase did not have T. Higgins in, he was seeing about 35% target share. This is someone that, you know, obviously sky's the limit. These two guys, you can't really go wrong, you know, pick your poison. And I think that's the end of tier one. So Snoog, I know you love the next guy, but it drops down a little bit of a tier. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with CeeDee Lamb here. I don't want to get too cute. I was debating Garrett Wilson, but that's kind of being a little biased. So CeeDee Lamb is a guy that at 22 years old went for over 1,300 yards on a 100 plus uh, receptions which was crazy. And he was one of my guys going into the year that I had so much ownership in, and I was so confident that he was going to be a massive breakout guy in 2022. Um, CD lamb is tied to Dak Prescott. And I know Dak didn't have the prettiest year last year. He led the league in interceptions, had an off year for sure, but Dak healthy is a dangerous site. And he's a guy that's capable of 4,500 yards easy and lambs competing with Brandon cooks and Michael Gallup. So I see a very similar scenario that he had last year losing Kellen Moore is kind of sketchy, but CD lambs, that guy. And I saw PFFs rating of him from the slot. He was like first in every single category. Like he is the best slot receiver in the NFL right now. And he is still only 23 years old, which is something crazy to think about. So well, let me ask you about that. Cause if you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, if you look at 75.6 success rate against man coverage, 80.5 versus zone 78.4 versus press. I mean, this is a guy that can we see him, you know, like a lot of people are like, can he ascend into that tier one or is he just the top of tier two going forward? You know, like, can he get to that same level guys as Jamar Chase, as Justin Jefferson? Are we just saying he's just a fantastic football player and he's just stuck in that tier underneath? I think he's stuck underneath, but I think he can get close to Chase. I don't think either of them will ever be on Justin Jefferson's level. I just don't think. Jamar, I think Jamar Chase is phenomenal, and as a talent alone, I think he's very close to Justin Jefferson. But just in terms of situation and just the offense that Stefanski runs around Justin Jefferson, it's just phenomenal. Motioning him around, getting him the ball in his hand like Cooper Cup. So, but I do think Lamb is that clear guy, and he's the wide receiver three for me. He has been for over a year now, so he isn't moving for me, and he's going to stay there for a while. Let's get Wilson goes for fifteen hundred. Same kind of question. I mean, can you see any of these guys in tier two, tier three, getting into that Jefferson and Chase area? Or are we just trying to fight to see who separates themselves in in tier two? Yeah, I I think there's a guy that hasn't been named yet that could climb into that category. And it's probably Garrett Wilson, just because he has he has the the young, the young upside. He's ascending. He had eleven hundred yards as a rookie like CeeDee Lamb. It took him it took him three years to kind of hit this hit this uh, production point to where we were pricing him at in startups last year, where he's going at the end of the first, beginning of the second or something like that. But it was more of a projection at that point. We didn't necessarily 
see him have that elite production because he had Amari Cooper in the offense with him. Garrett Wilson, he comes in off this fresh off being a rookie, 1,100 yards, 80-some catches, some touchdowns, and he was doing it with Joe Flacco, Mike White, uh, Zach Wilson. I mean, he's playing with bums at quarterback. So, And that's what he's able to do as a rookie already. So I'm really excited to see the progression of Garrett Wilson with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. I think that's that's probably the guy that has the the best chance of getting up into that into that tier. So given that, and you're up here at the wide receiver four, is that your pick with Garrett Wilson? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think for as much as I just hyped up Garrett Wilson, I think I'm still going to take AJ Brown um, as my, my wide receiver four. And it's just purely because I love what AJ Brown is able to do with the ball after the catch. And Garrett Wilson's great at that as well. But AJ Brown is locked into a long-term extension with a quarterback in Jalen Hurts that they're both ascending at the right time. They seem like cornerstone pieces of their franchise and they're just going to grow together. And AJ Brown was a huge part of that runner up MVP season for Jalen Hurts. And I think the chemistry is there that they're going to continue for a long time. So for that reason, I have AJ Brown ahead of Garrett Wilson. Hey, I got no problem with that because I will take Garrett Wilson. And then guys right here, if you guys are on YouTube, this is it. The autographed Garrett Wilson Jersey guys. All you have to do is, Sign up for the Patreon. Right now, our Patreon is blowing up. Uh, there's guys joining every single day. And now we have a seven-day free trial. So you can come in, check out whatever tier. There's three different tiers in there. You can come in for seven days, try it out for free. On Father's Day this year, we will be giving out the Garrett Wilson signed jersey. Snoog, I got that thing in the mail from Pristine Auction, and it is absolute fire. I'm like, I want to put this on my wall right now, right? Like, this is one of those things where I was shopping. You know, I was looking for weeks of like, eh, should I get a James Cook jersey? Should I get a, you know, these cheap ones? I'm like, no, we're going Garrett Wilson, man. This thing is fire. Yeah, I need that jersey. So I'm going to buy one off Pristine Auction as well. But we'll with give this them a little pick, shout out here. You're up, buddy. Yeah, th- this picks Jalen Waddle all day for me. And I don't think this is kind of i think this is its own tier it drops off here for me back-to-back thousand yard seasons and the craziest stat i've ever seen and i actually figured this out on myself and nobody talks about it Jalen waddle had 1356 receiving yards on 117 targets that's like ridiculous efficiency so he proved that he could be that guy alongside tyree kill without being the target hog rookie year 140 targets he was used as a check down in that offense he doubled his yards per catch in his second year and he is one of the best fastest yards after catch guys in the nfl and he's still only 24 years old Tua's a guy i actually just did a tweet on he's not my favorite guy but he's definitely capable of being a top 12 guy and i know the health issues are concerned but with Mike Daniels in that offense, that offense is pure speed, pure electricity, and Jalen Waddle is going to be that guy long term for when Tyree Kill leaves. So I'll let some production go down the window for Tyree Kill to eat these next few years, and then it's going to be Jalen Waddle's season after that. I'm all for it. I think Jalen Waddle's a great buy in Dynasty right now. Like a lot of people look at him. The season that he had, and we're starting to move him back. I saw him the other day go at the 302. Like if you can get him anywhere after 205, I think Jalen Waddle is a screaming value at, you know, at cost and at his age. Um, so you were back on the board here. You know, we got six guys down. I think that is getting close to maybe one more guy here in a tier, and we're starting to really kind of figure out where that's at. JC, you're up on the clock. So I'm going to take a guy who is my wide receiver six in dynasty right now. And it's Tyreek Hill. Um, and I know, I know Snug just laid out 
a whole reason as to why Jalen Waddle and you just said he's a great buy, which I agree. I'm not knocking Jalen Waddle as a talent. He showed that he could do it in a low uh, yards per reception, and he showed that he could do it with incredible efficiency on a low target share as well. But if we truly play Dynasty in a three-year window, right, that's the that's the, the gold standard of Dynasty we all play in a three-year window. Tyreek Hill has come out and said, hey, I got three more years, and that's what this contract says. And he just put up his best season as a wide receiver in the NFL at age 29. He hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. In fact, he put up 1,700 yards. He led the league in yards per route run. He led the league in targets per route run. He was used in this offense by Mike McDaniel more than any other receiver in the NFL. He was efficient in that role. And I just don't think Tyreek Hill's slowing down anytime soon. And I know we could make the argument that he's a speed wide receiver. And uh, if he pulls a hamstring, he could be done. The guy runs track in the offseason. Like he, he takes care of his body. He's doing these explosive workouts. He knows what his role is in this offense. And he's professionally being paid like it. So I think Tyreek Hill is a guy that is being faded because he's 29. I don't think it's necessarily warranted. He was just a first-team all-pro wide receiver last year. I just don't think that the production is all of a sudden going to fall off of a cliff because Tua is learning how to do judo and might not fall over the right way and get a concussion. He still put up 1,700 yards. Tua didn't play four and a half games. Imagine if he did play the full 17. Does he have 2,000 yards receiving in this offense? Yeah, I, I like it because you're not – I. so many people in Dynasty right now, JC, they're, they're ageist, right? So they take a guy – I mean – in in I believe it was Smash Eight. I was able to get I got Tyree Kill at the end of the fourth, Devontae in the fifth. You know, and those are the guys that we want these guys to be. We want them to play in that area. You know, and I know there's definitely a risk there if you take Tyree Kill uh, above an Amon Ross St. Brown, above a you know Chris Olave, and he gets injured, and now all of a sudden he's thirty. But the production that's there, depending on your team construction, I got no problem with it. And you left you left Amon Ross St. Brown there for me, so I'm 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 jumping in. You know, I think year one after his rookie year, everyone's like, ah, it was a little bit fluky. Let's start selling. You know, let's start moving our way out. Doing it two years in a row, this guy is an elite separator. 146 targets, that's top 10 in the NFL. 106 receptions, that's number six. And oh, by the way, you know, he just is on an offense that just keeps clicking, right? He is someone that I've been buying up everywhere. I think he's great value. And Amon Ross St. Brown, to me, is the end of that tier. You know, we got those guys that that fall into that top seven, top eight. And then we get to an interesting area where we start looking at what you're going to do. And, and usually we don't have Tyreek Hill right in that area. We start looking at what's your roster looking like? Are you going to win now? Are you going to rebuild? Are you going to do that year one punt? And now this is where, in, to me, in dynasty, your money is made, right? Like that beginning there, that's pretty chalk. That's pretty basic. Those are the guys. Now, Snoog, you're in an area here where it starts to get a little bit trickier. Yeah, this is a trade back scenario for me because I have three guys here, four guys actually that I love, but I think I'm going to go with my guy here, Devontae Smith, because what he did last year in that Philly offense, 130 plus targets, he, he just four yards shy of 1,200 yards in his second year in the NFL, playing alongside A.J. Brown. And those, the Eagles were one of the, like, the least passing teams in the NFL. Like Jalen Hurts, I think he threw for like 3,000 yards or something like that. And the fact that Devontae Smith had 1,200 is crazy. So I think his ceiling is just insane. I really wanted to go Chris Olave because he has a better situation, clearer path to targets. He doesn't have A.J. Brown playing next to him. But Devontae Smith is better than Chris Olave. He's a better player. 
He makes plays downfield better. He can high point the ball better. He's better after the catch, and I think he has just as good hands, and he's as good of a route runner. Matt Harmon's reception perception showed that Devontae Smith is an elite separator and an elite route runner, so I'm not worried about that at all. And he was playing in the slot in Philly last year a lot, so they're motioning him around. They figured out how to use him right, and he's also a, a wide receiver that won the Heisman, so he, he's been the big dog in many offenses in many situations, and he's going to continue to be that. I love Devonta Smith. I've been moving him up in my rankings. I don't quite have him that high, but I mean, if he was the number one in an offense right now, he absolutely he, he's right up in here with those guys, talent wise, absolutely. And what we were talking about a lot recently is, you know, the talent level of these top twelve to fifteen wide receivers isn't that different. It's the who's the quarterback play and what what kind of offense you're looking at there. And if you look at the, the guys that produce year in and year out, top 24 seasons, it's the lead offenses. That's why you got two Eagles here going in the top nine. JC, you're on the board. Yeah, and, and Snug alluded to him a little bit there, so I'm going to take Chris Olave. He does Chris that. He, does yeah. that. He, he gives that – he's that guy in the draft room that's like, hey, did anybody take Chris Olave yet? <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Olave, uh, as a rookie – Minimum 400 snaps across the NFL. He was 15th in target share, 8th in targets per route run, 11th in yards per route run, 6th in ADOT, 4th in air yards, and 2nd in team air yard share. So you're talking about a very elite production profile for a rookie that his best talent is Michael Thomas, and I love Michael Thomas, but the guy cannot stay on the field. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And then we have, what, Jawan Johnson and Alvin Kamara facing a suspension. And I think the target share is going to be just as high, if not higher, this season with Derek Carr, who has shown a penchant for really just overloading his favorite his favorite option with targets. So I really like Chris Olave there for my wide, wide receiver, what, 10 on this board? So, Absolutely. yeah, give me Chris That's Olave. That's great, great value right there. Snoog, you know, I love you, so I'm going to let your guy come to you here a little bit. You know, I debated between two guys here. I love Chris Olave. That's a great pick there with JC. Uh, I recently just put out, you know, a, a tweet for the big thing that I'm associated with is obviously your rebuilding teams and put out your rebuilding blocks. And Chris Olave is one of those guys that's perfect for that. Another one is Drake London. So Drake London's right now, his ADP is, it's slipping actually. It's at 405. That's the wide receiver 15. Uh, over the last 22 seasons, wide receivers under the age at 21 or younger and a 24% target share. There has been four. It's been Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, and Drake London. Drake London just misses, just needs that quarterback. Those are the only four guys to do that. That's remarkable, you know, company to be with. You look at the four games with Desmond Ritter and a lot of people are projecting a 15 to 20% pass increase. Once Ritter took over in comparison to where Mariota was, he had 11 targets, nine targets, eight targets, eight targets. They were peppering him, you know, and he was a, a solid guy. You know, he was taking top 10. I think Drake London, we're either going to see Desmond Ritter ascend his game to the next level and, and really bring up Pitts and, and London, or we're going to see a, a, an opportunity. Maybe Caleb Williams comes in, you know, like that's just the ultimate dream. And we talk about that with a lot, but there there's situations here where the right quarterback comes in and his, his, value is just going to skyrocket. Yeah, so I feel like I'm repeating myself because I've said all this many times, but I'm going with Jackson Smith and Jigba here because... You like him? I didn't yeah, know that. It's all right. I think I like him, but 
what he did on that Ohio State offense with some of my favorite guys in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave was just historic. He he broke their receiving record, their reception record. He put up 1,600-plus yards, 90-plus receptions. He was an elite yak machine, and he just has everything. He has the hands, the route running, the short area quickness. He was a 99th percentile in all the agility circuits. Jackson Smith at Jigba is going to come in, lead Seattle in targets in year one. You heard it here first. And he is going to absolutely dominate in the NFL because nobody's going to be able to guard him in those short areas. We saw what Amon Ross St. Brown can do. Jackson Smith and Jigba can do that plus. He's a way better athlete and he has better hands. He's a better deep threat than Amon Ross St. Brown is as well. So I look at it like that and it helps me sleep at night knowing what Amon Ross St. Brown can do and knowing that my boy Jackson's going to do the same thing. I love it. I think he's such a I, – I put the, him on that that building block too because if you were to tell me that you could get Garrett Wilson in the fourth round last year, you would have done it and you moved himself up. And, and I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, you know, uh, according to them at Ohio State, when it was Olave and it was Garrett Wilson, those guys, he's the best of the three. You know, I mean, Marvin Harrison's going to be even better, <laughs> which is just blows my mind, but that's awesome. Uh, JC, since I said Marvin Harrison, and you know it, we're talking about a one – quarterback league he is when you look in that Debbie crowd he's the 101 in a one quarterback next year no no debate about it how high up does Marvin Harrison Jr. belong on this list like that's that's the question I keep getting right like he is going to come in here he's the most touted wide receiver we've seen since Calvin Johnson he's going to get that top five draft capital how high up would you put him on your dynasty draft board if he was there right now yeah, so we just had Kevin Coleman on the the podcast yesterday. We recorded it. will get released Monday. But we, we kind of talked about a similar topic with Marvin Harrison Jr. I think I'd have him as my wide receiver five. Um, so I think I'd have him after, after Jefferson, after Chase, probably after A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb. And then we kind of get into, well, if Marvin Harrison Jr. ends up in Arizona with Caleb Williams and he's attached to – Caleb Williams for five years if he's a top five pick. Because if you line up Marvin Harrison Jr.'s profile with Jamar Chase's, they're virtually identical Mm -hmm. for their sophomore seasons. Marvin Harrison Jr. should have won the Blitnikoff Award. He got robbed. They gave it to Jalen Hyatt. Um, So I think that's the level of prospect that we're talking about with Marvin Harrison, a guy that's 6'3", 210, unbelievable body control, yak ability, high point ability. He could just kind of do it all. The guy's He's going to be an alpha. He's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. And we've seen recently that if you're a top five pick at the wide receiver position in the NFL draft, you're probably a very, very good player. Yeah, the hit rate is phenomenal there. And this is I almost debated a little bit with A.J. Brown, because if I'm not in a win now situation, we talk a lot about insulated trades. If I'm in a one quarterback league and I know that, you know, I can get an opportunity to get that one on one get a one on one plus for for A.J. Brown. You know, if you can get that, I, I definitely would. I think this is a guy that. Chase, we tried to find warts. Every year we try to talk about next year's class, and then we try to find something wrong with him. And I don't think we're going to find it with, with Marvin Harrison Jr. So we just had, to get, just had to get it out there. You know, a lot of guys are looking at those 2024 firsts now, and we just did a podcast on those recently where it's just going to be as coveted as 2023, if not higher. Yeah. Yeah, especially up. that top three. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, Absolutely. So I know we're all ages when it comes to dynasty fantasy football. I'm going to take Stefan Diggs here. Um, I just don't see a world where Buffalo is bringing in a wide receiver that's going to compete with Stefan Diggs over the next three seasons with Josh Allen, especially with that contract. And mm-hmm. they've tried to do it with Gabe Davis. It didn't work. 
They're bringing in Dalton Kincaid now to maybe play some kind of slot hybrid role or something like that. I think we know where the bread's buttered in the Buffalo Bills offense, and it runs through Stephon Diggs. It runs through Josh Allen throwing the ball. And I think Stephon Diggs is going to play at, at a position out wide, outside at like that traditional X that there's really nobody that's going to impede that target share because if they do want to get Dalton Kincaid more involved or James Cook more involved, maybe they play the slot a little bit more. But Diggs is going to be on the field all the time in 12 personnel, which I think the Bills are going to lean a little bit more into. They just they took Kincaid in the first round. They took Osiris Torrance in the second. So that, to me, makes it seem like they want to kind of push themselves into the, like a little more power run, take it off of Josh Allen a little bit. But I, either way, I don't think they have the cap space or the ability to bring in some guy that's really going to put Stephon Diggs' target share in harm's way in that offense. So I like Stephon Diggs' the value. Your team's getting a little bit older, but, man, you're going to ball out year one. You know, I think Stefan Diggs, I think, has put himself where he's above Cooper Cup, a little bit safer in there, not coming off the injury, above Devontae Adams because he has the better quarterback play. I love it. Uh, for me, I, I'm still playing the young game. I'm going to go with T. Higgins. So, for me, if you look at teams with the most top 24 weeks in terms of fantasy points per game, you look at the, the the Bengals, they had 21 of them, you know, and this is it. Chase is going to be there. But I think T Higgins, you know, he had a, a lot of people are moving him down boards, but he quietly had over a thousand yards. You know, like that's something that, that's not a slouch. He had 75 receptions on 110 targets. The thing with me is he is safe, right? That's where a lot of people are starting to, to fade T Higgins because one, he's either going to be with Cincinnati again next year and be a rock solid wide receiver two maybe a back-end wide receiver one, or he leaves for free agency and he gets a situation where he could be, in my estimation, an alpha in this league. Like, that's why I think he's firmly in the top 12, you know, as far as dynasty wide receivers. And I, I would love taking him here in this particular area. Snoog! JC's going to think I'm taking shots at him, but I just got the better value. Ooh. I'm glad you, I'm glad you muted yourself on that one, Snoog. Because you didn't get the value there. Come on. Jimmy G, quarterback. Devontae Adams, if any vet is going to have the most longevity, it's going to be him. I have him neck and neck as a talent with Tyree Kill and what he did last year. I was charting everything that they did from yards per out run all the way down to targets, reception, air yards, all that. Devontae Adams was like first in three categories. He was just neck and neck with Tyree Kill. They were both so dominant. So I got Devontae Adams like eight picks later. So between those vets, it's just the value. Whoever falls the furthest is when I'll trade up and get a guy like that. Yeah, Adams is 30 years old, but he doesn't rely on athleticism. He's just a pure separator, alpha size, great hands, great yak. He's just good at absolutely everything. And if anybody's going to be the Larry Fitzgerald of the NFL, it's going to be Devontae Adams. So that's a quote from JC himself. No, I could see that. You know, like I think – I think – all three of these guys that everybody is really starting to have an ageist perception on, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, and Stefan Diggs, I think all of them could have a nice career arc. You're like very similar to what you said about Larry Fitzgerald is they all avoid contact well. They all are elite level separators, you know, and I think they all have the desire to keep going. Where Tyree Kill has already said, you know, it's going to be a two to three year window and then he's out. All of these guys you're drafting, JC, I get a lot of people when I draft one of these guys in that fourth round, they're like, oh, he's playing all in. But sometimes you got to have a, a variance of age on your team. You got to balance production. And if you look at, you know, do I want to take a 22 year old wide receiver who's not going to hit or give myself an opportunity for a guy that I know is going to produce day one? 
Yeah, and I think I think you hit on something perfectly right there that you could take the 22-year-old wide receiver, but are they going to hit? I think we as a dynasty community in general kind of we think that we know for certain that these guys are going to hit. Mm-hmm. And we saw with Chris Olave and we saw with Garrett Wilson, we saw with Drake London, they hit. They were drafted with pretty elite draft capital as well, though. I don't I'm just not going to pass on a guy like Devontae Adams or Stephon Diggs or Tyree Kill because these guys are all pro level talent wide receivers. You don't just all of a sudden one day, you don't forget how to separate like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup, like these guys are students of the game. They're going to find ways to get open. They can operate in any kind of offense. They can line up anywhere on the field. And like you said, in today's NFL, where these wide receivers aren't taking the punishment that they have taken in the past, we're going to see guys age more gracefully in dynasty fantasy football. And I think that's why we draft the wide receiver position so highly and we covet it so highly because their longevity goes for much longer than a running back or a tight end or some some other position like that. So if you value the wide receiver position so highly, why do you just have this cutoff age at 29 years old like you have a cutoff age for running back? It the the, the that level of thinking just doesn't really equate with me. I think when I first started in Dynasty, it was you're 30 years old, right? When you hit that 30-year-old mark and you have to understand that you are the production might not drop off as much as the value, right? The value is going to drop off. You draft a Devontae Adams, a Tyreek Hill. None of these guys will increase in value, you know? So that's based off what your philosophy is. If, if you take JSN, yeah, I would take him over all those guys. Would I take, I would take those guys over Jordan Addison. Can Jordan Addison increase in value in the startup? Absolutely. Like, I think he's someone who's going to move up there, but these guys are, are alphas in that area. And it, like I said, the trend has gone from, well, you were 30, you can't do it. Well, then we started to, the dynasty community likes to overthink, right? And think we're sharper than everything else. Then it became 29. So let her, let's sell them at 29 before they hit that curve. Now I'm hearing people say with Diggs, who's 28, they're like, sell at 28 before they get to 29. You know, like this is not, that's the prime of a guy's career. Like 26 to 29 years old, the guys are putting up elite level wide receiver one production. And that that's absolutely a great pick there. Yeah. So I know we've been talking about some older players here. I'm going to take one that's a little younger. I'm going to take DK Metcalf. Um, I think that him and JSN are going to operate at completely different levels of the field. I think DK is the guy that's going to take the top off. He's the guy that is going to get a lot of that yards per reception and get some yak in his own own right. And I think he's probably the guy that's going to be the red zone target there as well for the, for the Seahawks, a guy that could – get those double digit touchdowns that really puts you in a different level um, as a wide receiver in fantasy football. So I like the value again, DK here. What was this wide receiver 16 on the yeah. board? You know, he's a guy that just got his second contract, um, same classes as AJ Brown as well. So he's locked in long-term in Seattle. You know, they like to use him. You know that he's been productive. DK is who DK is. He's, he's a man amongst boys out there at the wide receiver position. You put me in an awkward position here because there's a guy I really want to take. And I know Snoog wants to talk about him. So I'm probably, I'm not going to. I'm going to stick with Cooper Cup here because the value is phenomenal. Like when Cooper Cup is on the field, he's it. You know, he's going to turn 30 years old. I get that. But he was averaging 22.4 points per game where he was at last year. You know, the year before that was even more. I just think he's going to have a career arc where this is a locked in. You know, if he's healthy this year, he's a top five wide receiver. You are drafting him to win a championship. You are drafting him to put it yourself into that situation. 
And, you know, he's phenomenal. Like, just absolutely phenomenal. If you take away all 16 of his touchdowns over the past season, you know, like two seasons, he would still average 20 points per game. Like, the guy gets open. He's a PPR machine. I think Matthew Stafford, as long as that offensive line keeps him upright, has a nice little bounce back season. I mean, I think Matthew Stafford is someone that I've been buying for 24 seconds, which, you know, a year ago we wouldn't even said he's even in the realm of possibilities. But as long as he's upright, I think Cooper Cup's going to do fine. And even when Stafford went out, Cooper Cup proved that he can still put up points. Yeah, so I think this pick is pretty easy. I know it's probably a reach to most that, people. No, that was going to be mine, man. That was going to be uh, mine. To backtrack a little bit to what JC said, Metcalf is a phenomenal value, and he, I, he's one of my most owned wide receivers just because of his value. And I was kind of bummed when JSN went to Seattle, but I'm so high on both of them, so that probably means I need to buy more Geno Smith. But Quentin Johnson's a guy. If anybody's going to jump into this tier of guys, I think it's an end of a tier right after Cup. Me and JC talked about this beforehand. You got like after the Cup, Jefferson, Chase. It's like that. You got like three to 17 where like you mm-hmm. could just argue so many different spots for all those guys. And now it's 18. So it's Quentin Johnson here. He's the top of this start of the new tier for me. His upside, just being tied to Justin Herbert, his physicals, he's one of the best yak prospects in a while coming out. 6'3", he had 80-inch wingspan. That's ridiculous. They're going to teach him how to high point balls, and he's going to be an absolute menace downfield. And a lot of the offense last year was just check down, check down, check down. But they truly believe Quentin Johnson is going to be the guy to take the top off the defense. And even if they still kind of rely on those intermediate short routes, He's going to get the ball and he's going to go. He's great after the catch and 21 years old, good prospect, good against press, good against man. He checks every box coming out early declare and Kellen Moore coming in. I'm expecting a big bounce back season from Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be a top five guy and he threw for like 4,800 passing yards last year with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missing like five plus games each. So the, the ceiling's insane. And I think the floor is higher than most people believe. So I'm going all in on Quentin Johnson, especially at that value over everybody left. It's an incredible landing spot for multiple reasons, you know, and I don't think we've, I don't think we've talked about it enough because a lot of people have Addison above him, but you look at, okay, now he's tied to Justin Herbert plus that's fantastic. This is an offense where at worst, he's going to be a healthy version of Mike Williams with what they wanted him to be a field stretcher. That's going to move things down, but he is a yak monster. The biggest problem was we were talking about concentration drops and body catching when he was at TCU. Every video I see of him right now, and I know it's camp buzz and all those kinds, is highlight catches, high point in the ball, hand catching, you know, making things happen. This is the guy that has arguably the highest ceiling of any of the wide receivers in this class. We just know that there is that that floor might not quite be there. But, man, that is a great ceiling pick play. Yeah. You are up, AC. Yeah, Yeah, but – Real quick, take it for a grain of salt. I know you mentioned the training camp stuff, but that's that's he's catching balls from NFL quarterbacks now. So the concentration what? drops in college. Now he's catching balls from NFL quarterbacks who throw a lot faster, a lot harder, put the ball right where it needs to be. So he, he's improving those hands, and that's not something that you should be fading because look at Demarius Thomas back in his mm-hmm. time. And learning from, I mean, if if he can, Keenan Allen seems like that kind of guy that wants to teach, and he's not that wide receiver who's just going to hog everything and, you know, kind of like quarterbacks do. I think he can learn a lot from 
Keenan Allen, who's one of the best route runners there is, a guy that's going to teach his craft. So, all right, we, dude, I love chopping it up with you guys. Like we're we're going in depth on all these. The next couple, the next tier, let's hit it um, a little bit quicker. But let's start really differentiating here because I think we've been nailing it. But let's talk about some of our guys here. You are up, JC. Yeah, so Quentin Johnson is my rookie wide receiver too as well. I think the the sky is the limit for him if he puts it all together with Herbert there. For pure value's sake, I'm going to take Jordan Addison. Um, I think he's one of these guys that he's going at like the 107 Mm -hmm. in rookie drafts, 108, and I think he's probably a better value on the board than the rest of the wide receivers that are here that I don't think you could trade the 107 or the 108 straight up for – well, you wouldn't want to trade one of these guys or the 107 for – one of these guys after him. So I'll take Jordan Ness and just pure value perspective. I think there's like a tier here. I have from like 18 to 25 mm-hmm. where they're all in that one Oh seven to one Oh nine range. Like there's not a huge uh, difference in value. Like if you can get anything on top of it, right, on top of each other, like that's, that's the play there. Um, if you guys know me, I mean, you know, the guy that I've been touting all off seasons, Jerry Judy, absolute elite route runner someone that now gets into sean payton offensive scheme look at the final six weeks of the season wide receiver six overall russell wilson without coach hackett looked like a different player russell wilson now is in camp with he looks good right like he looked he had put on some weight last year now he looks hungry ready to go i think jerry judy is a borderline wide receiver one this year and he's still he's just in that 23 year old 24 year old range where Jerry Judy, this is it though, right? Like if he doesn't pan out this year, then we move him back into that, like, okay, where he's a wide receiver two or wide receiver 20 to 28 the rest of his career. But if he hits this year, I think he has a chance to change that narrative. And I think this is it. Yep. I'm going to go with probably a spicy pick here. It's Debo Samuel, just because of what he can do after the catch. He was insane two years ago, and he, he just came out with a statement that he was overweight, not at, not in shape this year. The contract stuff kind of got in the way of everything, and he didn't really get to work on his game and improve. He's just very good at football, and I think he's QB proof because all he needs is carries out of the backfield and check downs and stuff like that. So when, you're, when the running backs get an extra point or half a point, for every carry, Debo Samuel is a juggernaut, and what he did, 1,400 yards on 70 catches is ridiculous. So his ceiling's insane, and he's still only 27 years old. He's tied in that San Fran offense, regardless of who the QB is, so I'm going all upside with that pick. Okay, I got no problem there. Like, he's in that area. These guys are all – you can't fault anybody for taking anybody there. Where It's all personal preference here. And I'm just saying, JC, you better not snipe my guy here. No, I'm going to take <laughs> – I'm going to take Burks. I'm going to take ah. Burks here. Um, so I was doing a little Burks Burks research today. Power five early to clear since 2010. They've had two or more two and a half plus receiving yards per team pass attempt seasons. He's on the list with Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, your guy, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. So I think that's pretty good company to keep. I think he's going to be a target hog for the Tennessee Titans this upcoming season. Um, I'm pretty optimistic that Traylon Burks could turn it around and kind of build off of that, that late push that he made as a rookie and, and kind of keep that ball rolling in year two. 
I love this kind of format and the way that we do this because I don't know about you guys, but I'm sharpening my own thought process, right? Like I have my rankings, I look at them, and then we're sitting here and they're like right on the board and you got to kind of make this decision. And for me right now, I'm looking at the wide receivers on the board and I'm like, who got an increase in, in you know in what their quarterback play is? And I'm looking at Watson, now he's got love. And I'm looking at Pittman, I don't think AR is really going to separate him. I'm looking at Pickens and I don't really believe in, in, in you know, Kenny Pickett as much. And I'm... Um, for me, it's DJ Moore. So DJ Moore has been just a rock-solid wide receiver. He has had 1,000 yards every single season. We look at him every year, and he just becomes a value. You know, well, this, this past year, he had 888 with the worst quarterback play you've ever seen. He is a fringe wide receiver, too. But now we talk about Justin Fields' ascension. A lot of people want to move him up, talking about he's going to take a Jalen Hurts-type jump even if it's only half of that kind of jump, even if we put him in an area where the passing increases by 20%, which I believe it will, I think DJ Moore is actually a screaming value in Dynasty right now, especially with that orange visor, you know, at, at training camp. I, I, I got a big thing for visors, man. You rock the visor, you're moving up in my rankings. But I love DJ Moore here at this spot. Yeah, this is real tough here, but I'm going to double tap the 49ers receivers here. Brandon IU, Debo said it himself, you can't guard that man in a phone booth right now. 91st percentile against man coverage, 89th against press, two plus yards per out run route last year, and he was a thousand plus yard receiver. And an offense with CMC, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and two different starting quarterbacks. So this guy has the absolute sky is the limit if he leaves San Fran or if Trey Lance figures it out and can throw him footballs. I know they built a connection early on in Trey Lance's start like on that before though. the injury but if you looked at his reception perception profile he was an elite route runner last year he's good after the catch good hands he's a playmaker and he's only 25 years old so i'm let's, all in on brandon Ayuk as well let's get him a real quarterback because i think brandon Ayuk, when you look at his actual talent is oh so God. good he's better than the last three or four guys that we've put in there but it's just trey lance isn't isn't it to improve his game maybe purdy is yeah, I'll take Christian Watson here. Um, oh, man, double four, snipe. Four different weeks that he finished as a wide receiver one, and he did it on some pretty limited snaps as well from his rookie season. He kind of dealt with some injuries and some drop issues early on in his in this season, but he came on strong pretty late. He does have a new quarterback now. I don't think it's a quarterback upgrade like we were just referring to a little bit earlier, who, which, which players got a quarterback upgrade. I definitely don't think that you could say Christian Watson is in that category, but – I'm excited to see what Christian Watson could do year two. Hopefully he takes another step in this offense with Matt LaFleur calling the plays and getting him some design looks with his size speed combination. I, I'm optimistic about Christian Watson. Well, now I'm playing the game of like, which two wide receivers can I get? Right? Like I, I want to try to get another guy in here. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to take Chris Godwin. I, I, I leaned between a couple other guys, but to your point earlier, you talked about the power five early declare wide receivers, you know, with that, He's one of those. He has under his resume different, like higher level than everybody else we have here. Yes, Baker Mayfield is the quarterback or Kyle Trask. I think both of those, that hurts Mike Evans more than it hurts Chris Godwin. And I think Chris Godwin right now is a value. I know he's 27 years old. Similar to what I said about Drake London is worse. I mean, the Bucks have to be in line for that 101, right? So now all of a sudden we get an area where Caleb Williams – with Chris Godwin, I'm fine with that. That's another wide receiver one season. So, And you can get him at a discount. I mean, I've been buying him up for 1.9 to 1.11 range in, in rookie drafts, and I've been throwing random, you know, random to late 24 firsts. 
And it just feels like too good of a value there. Like what he's done over the course of his career isn't that far off from the other guys that it, we've taken four or five picks ahead of him. Yeah, so this is so close for me for two guys, but I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley just because I haven't forgotten what he's done. Just two years ago, led the league in air yards with over 2,000. Wide receiver five finish, 18-plus points per game. He's still only 28 years old. He's about to hit those prime years. He was first in deep targets, 1,300-plus receiving yards, nine touchdowns, and he was just phenomenal route runner, separator. He's good at everything. He's great, deep, good field stretcher, and he's about to play with. I don't want to say the best quarterback of his career, but Matt, I feel like Matt Ryan was kind of on the, the fallout, downfall of his career when Ridley started to pop off. So I think Trevor Lawrence is getting his guy. I, Christian Kirk's a good player. There's some options there, but Ridley's definitely going to lead that team in targets in year one. I think he's just so good, and I used to be a huge Ridley stand, so it's kind of hard to not take him here with this value. So I'm going all in on him at this pick for sure. All right. I'm going to take Deontay Johnson. Might be might be a little bit of a reach here, but since 2020, pass catchers in the NFL with more targets than Deontay Johnson, that would be Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, end of list. Then Deontay Johnson is fifth. So mm-hmm. top five guy in target share. He's top seven in the NFL during that time in receptions. Deontay Johnson is a target magnet. That's what Deontay Johnson is. He catches passes. He gets open. He gets targets. If I could get him as my wide receiver three on a dynasty team, I'm absolutely ecstatic with that, and I'll take it every single time. My alert on my phone actually just came up from Dynasty Dynasty Nerd saying, why is Deontay Johnson such a value? It literally just popped up at the exact same time. He's a screaming value. Like, he had zero touchdowns last year. That's not going to happen again, you know, and I think that's, that's a great pick there. Value-wise, might be a little bit lower. I don't love the guy that I'm going to pick here, but I'm going to take Michael Pittman. Um, Michael Pittman, right now, 141 targets last year, 99 receptions, 925 yards, with some of the worst. We talked about how bad the quarterback play was for DJ Moore. Michael Pittman's QB play was brutal. Is Anthony Richardson the answer? You know, we're going to see, but I, I believe that offense is still going to be good. They're going to have a lot more red zone opportunities for Michael Pittman. And he is a guy that I would not be shocked if he has 10 touchdowns next year. And I don't love him in Dynasty, but if I, I can get him at this value, I'm, I'm in on Michael Pittman. Yeah, I honestly love this Terry pick here. I'm a big Terry fan, but the only situation is just his quarterbacks. We don't know who's going to be throwing the football, but if, if it's Jacoby Brissett, he supported Amari Cooper big time last year, and they were popping off together. I think Terry can do the same thing. And if it's Sam Howell, they built a little connection in the short amount of time that they were playing together. So Terry's just an alpha guy, and I think he's a top 15 talent in the NFL alone, fantasy aside. So he's just proven that he can produce. He's a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. In my rankings, I have him a lot higher than this, than with who's been going around with him. But he's a 1,000-yard receiver all day, and he just commands a high amount of targets. So... I think he's going to be the guy again in Washington, and he's only 27 years old. You look at some of these guys that we were taking ahead of there, you know, with Ayuk and Watson and, and Burks, and he, even, you know, Addison and Judy. You look at McLaurin and Godwin. These are guys that are 27 years old that you're starting to get a discount. They're, they're rock-solid wide receiver twos. Does anybody high-five you when you draft them, you know, or say, nice pick? No. But I think they put up 
I would like to your point we said of Deontay Johnson, my teams where I have Chris Godwin and, and Terry McLaurin as my wide receiver three, I feel great because they're going to have a couple boom bust weeks. But for the most part, they're going to be a rock solid wide receiver two week in and week out. And I think you need that in Dynasty. We try to play the sexy game, right? We want that guy that's going to put up 35, you know, but Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, they're going to put up 14 to 17 and you're going to feel good about it. Yeah, I, I, Chris Godwin is one of those guys that he's just never going to go out of style. And Chris Godwin, he gets mm-hmm. open, coming off an ACL, 100-plus receptions. I don't think Baker Mayfield is really scaring me off of Chris Godwin because I think Chris Godwin does what Jarvis Landry kind of did for that Cleveland team, and, and Jarvis was just fine with Baker as well. So mm-hmm. Chris Godwin, I think he's going to be fine this year. He's going to be fine next year, the year after that. His game just ages very well for uh, an ascending wide receiver in that age, bra- age bracket. But another guy that kind of – Ages that way as well as Amari Cooper. Um, he's the wide receiver one for Deshaun Watson. I think Watson probably takes that that step, knocks off some of that rust a little bit. And Amari Cooper, it feels like he's been in the league for a dozen years now. He's still 28 years old, and he's just one of the best separators in the NFL. He gets open, he catches the ball, and he makes stuff happen with it. So I like Amari Cooper here. He was a wide receiver one last year. People just don't want to say it. You know, like they don't want to admit it. The only thing is if if Nuke goes to Cleveland to play with Watson again, I think that hurts his value the most out of that area. But I think Amari Cooper is someone where I have been, and I know this might sound crazy, but on those shares where I have Cup, Devontae, and Diggs, I've been getting Amari Cooper plus a 24 first, you know, always in that mid area where I feel like I'm going to get 70, 80% production and I'm going to insulate with that pick. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're an all in contender, I'm still saying stay with those guys, but if you're in that fringe area where you might be, you know, in that area where you might be four or five in your league and you can make that kind of move and insulate with the pick, I'm all for it. Uh, you guys are making me do this and I really don't want to, cause I have zero shares, but I'm going to take George Pickens Snoog. I saw you had a tweet out there the other day, you know, two years removed from that ACL surgery over 800 yards on 84 targets. He is a human highlight film even though and is is some of that because he can't separate probably you know like he just doesn't separate very well but he his ability to high point and and with the contested catches what I'll do here is I'll take Pickens and I'll flip him so that's that's the way I got to do I'm playing it off the dynasty values and he's got the highest value on the board right now yeah I love that Amari pick by JC that was insane value and like you said that three-year window Amari this late and over these all the guys that have gone above him, Amari will probably outproduce 99% of the guys that went above him all the way up until Quentin Johnston. So that's insane value. If you're looking in that three-year window, I think I'm going to do something that I would never do just solely based off upside. And I think my boy Quintoris would shoot me if he saw this, but I'm going to go with Jamison Williams (laughs) because the upside is there and he's just in such a good offense. And with Jared Goff, playing alongside Amon Ross St. Brown. Jameson Williams' speed and that growing offense. We saw what Christian Watson did. He's, he was not, wasn't a good route runner, and he's not as fast as J-Mo. So get J-Mo on some crossers, get him down the seams, and get the ball in his hands, and he's going to make plays happen. And he could be a 1,000-yard receiver on a low amount of volume if he can translate everything. Kind of like what we talked about with Waddle earlier, 1,300 yards on like 117 targets. So. Jamison Williams is a good talent. I, I have zero shares of him, so I can't back myself up on it. But I think if there's any upside shot I'm taking right now with who's left on the board, it's just going to be Jamison Williams. I was out on him so hard in January because this value was creeping up where it was like equal to Traylon Burks and like 
You know, it, it was approaching some of that area where I didn't think it belonged above Jerry Judy, above DJ Moore, a lot of those areas, and considering he only – he played multiple weeks and had one catch, you know. The upside is there now where he is the perfect rebuild candidate. He's that guy that you can get an insulated trade where someone was banking on having Jamison Williams as their wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Now he gets the suspension. The values dipped where, you know, I, I had a team where I wasn't going to compete and I traded a uh, Cooper cup for Jamison Williams. And what ended up being um, when I, when I trade made the trade itself ended up being Jameer Gibbs, you know? So like you just make those moves and you kind of move around a little bit. So, all right. The, uh, the, the ghost guy on the end has had a phenomenal draft. I really got to give a shout out there. You know, he, he has absolutely, that's our man, Corey. Um, Corey, thank you for allowing us to give you the most stacked team of quarterbacks ever. Yeah, he nuked this draft with a, Dude, he a killed him, man. The trade value there is going to be phenomenal. Um, so I was going to take Jamison Williams there. So because I think the value, like you said, I was out on him at his wide receiver, like 16 price tag in January when he really didn't do anything on the field at all to earn that, that uh, price tag. But I think he's appropriately valued now. I, I know, I think you talked about it on your show like a week or two ago, where are you trading Jamison Williams for, are you trying to acquire him for a 2024 first? I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that question is. It's, it's tough. I think it would have to depend on how you feel about the 2024 wide receiver class. I think there's, four guys that you feel pretty comfortable with that are going to be wide receiver prospects that you're interested in. And after that, it, who knows? So I think if we're looking at a super late 24 first, but you can't guarantee it. So I, I don't think you can do that trade at this point in time, but I'll take Zay flowers here. Um, because I think Zay, he's just electric with the ball in his hands. He can line up anywhere on the field in this Todd Monken offense. I'm hoping they spread it out a little bit and they finally give Lamar a young pass catcher that could do a lot of things in a lot of different places and maybe he's the one that takes over that Hollywood Brown role in, in Baltimore that was pretty lucrative for Lamar Jackson as well I think Hollywood's last year there he had 150 some odd targets and he was top 10 in the league in targets so if you if we project him to fill that Hollywood Brown role then I'm good with Zay Flowers here at that price great transition because I'm taking Hollywood Brown you guys are making me literally draft all the guys that I've been putting as the dynasty dad approved cells and Hollywood Brown the only reason he's a sell for me right I, I I like the talent it's similar to what we were talking about earlier he's been double counted like we knew Nuke was not going to be there and then as soon as he leaves everyone's like oh his value skyrockets so, I mean that's just bad practice. Like we already knew that was going to happen. Yes, he's going to be, he's going to have a fine season, but how, when does Kyler Murray come in? You know, with Kyler Murray, we know what he's able to do. He was a, he was a wide receiver one without Kyler Murray. I mean, who's going to be that quarterback? Is it going to be Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon? And are those guys going to support multiple wide receiver one weeks? Absolutely not. So for me, like Hollywood's in that area of right now, he, he isn't a great buy. He's a sell for me, and then I'll buy him in in the offseason or I'll buy him at the end of the season because I think there's a real chance that I, either Kyler Murray's his quarterback next year or I know this is the tune of the entire show, but maybe Caleb Williams is his quarterback next year. You just got to think that way. So, Snoog, here we go. Yeah, if you know me, you know I would never own two Washington receivers. <laughs> I hate owning two people on the same team, but especially Washington. But John Dotson's just a great player. He was a good prospect coming out. Smaller guy, but he was a great separator. And he was a very good route runner at the next level. He actually was terrible against press coverage coming out of college and did very well against press coverage as a rookie. 
Matt Harmon's reception perception profile said it. He did very good against press. He did very good against man as well. Jahan Dotson's just a fluid mover. He showed so many great plays he made downfield. He has probably some of the best hands I've seen. And coming out, I comped him to Jarvis Landry. More as a player, I know Jarvis is the slot and Dotson kind of plays all over, but Jahan Dotson had seven touchdowns in just under 12 games as a rookie, playing with like Taylor Heineke and whoever else was throwing the football over there, Carson Wentz. But Jahan Dotson, first-round pick, great profile, that value for a first-round pick wide receiver, and he's still only 23 years old, 22 years old, all day. JC, I think you really, if we would have set the over under at 60 wide receivers covered in an hour, we would have been way off. We definitely take the uh, the under on that one. We only got through 36 so far. Let's try to get 12 more done here with a quick one sentence jab. Here we go. And like I said, I, I, I didn't want to undersell him, but that was Corey Duff. Awesome guy. He's in the Patreon. He volunteered his team. Make sure you guys vote for his when we uh, put all four of these <laughs> rosters out there. See which one's the best. Yeah, I'll take Christian Kirk. So I, this is a guy that's already produced a wide receiver one season with Trevor Lawrence, and I get him however many rounds after Calvin Ridley already went off the board. So I'll take Christian Kirk. Um, I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins. I know there's a little bit of debate back and forth. The only reason I'm taking Hopkins here based off of age is we are going to, just like I said with Hollywood Brown, you're going to see a value bump no matter what. If he goes to Buffalo, he goes to KC, he's instantly going to get a value bump. You sell him immediately if you can get any 24 first for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike Williams here, youngest youngest of who's left on the board out of him and Keenan Allen. And he produced at a high level two straight years. Last year he was injured, but tied to Justin Herbert. They have that connection going, and he's been making crazy plays downfield. So he's a trusted option for Justin Herbert. I love me some Josh Downs. I think he's going to operate in the same part of the field that Michael Pittman is operating in, and he's going into a contract season. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Michael Pittman is a cult after this season. I think they may have potentially drafted his replacement in Josh Downs. This is really tricky area, but I think, you know, value-wise, I'm going to go Rashad Bateman. I think we saw enough of him on the field. This Just like what I said with Jerry Judy, if he can't be healthy and on the field, his value is going to drop drastically. But I could see a scenario where he's the wide receiver one in Baltimore and is worth, you know, a fringe 24 first. That's what kind of talent he is as a round one draft capital wide receiver. I'm going to shake things up a little bit here. I'm going to go with Elijah Moore just because what he did in that terrible Jets offense as a rookie, you can't deny that. I know I'm a big Garrett Wilson fan, but Elijah Moore just couldn't get it clicking after that. They drafted Garrett 10th overall, so they were clearly not high on Elijah Moore like we were or the community was. So Elijah Moore gets paired up with Deshaun Watson as a second option, and the talent's there. He was a good prospect coming out, and I highly expect a big breakout season for Elijah Moore. I'll go Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, wide receiver form points per game from week 11 to 18 last season. The guy is just consistent as it gets. I'll take him in the 15th round here. Talking about consistency, I, I'm going to go Mike Evans. I, I, there's a couple guys here I like, some nice young upside guys, but Mike Evans is that guy that's 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns every year. He might not have the 1,000 yards, but that team's going to be in negative game script a lot. You know, with Tom Brady's not there anymore, they're going to have to throw a lot more because they're going to be trailing. So we should stop fading Mike Evans so hard. Yeah, I'm going to go with my rookie wide receiver five here, Marvin Mims. Sean nice. Payton came in as a head coach, one of the best offensive-minded coaches in a while. He got his guy. He traded up for him. So I'm all in on Marvin Mims. I want to take Tony, but I can't. 
So I'm gonna right? Take, that, I'm don't do that. that. I'll, leave, I'll leave if you do that. I'll, I'm going to take Juju. I, I think Juju has walked into a situation to where he's going to get 100-plus catches this season. It, it's not going to be pretty, but I think he's going to get the workload, and I'm optimistic that Juju can reclaim some of that that dynasty allure that he had a few seasons ago. I've been saying in the Patreon all the time is like – 80, 80 receptions in 800 yards is almost a foregone conclusion here. For There's nothing else there. Like, Juju's going to be the wide receiver one, and he has right now, would you say, wide receiver four cost, and yeah. he's 26 years old. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to catapult up, but he's going to – he could up – he could get more value by the time this season's over. Uh, I'm going to take Jonathan Mingo, another guy I, I mean I loved in the rookie process as far as more of the situation than the talent in, in college. I think Mingo comes into an area where he could be the wide receiver one in Carolina. We'll see how that shakes out. But at this point, I'm playing upside instead of – man, I don't want to say Kadarius Tony. Snoop, take him. I think Chiefs Kingdom would want to burn my house down if they saw this pick, but – I think the Chiefs finally got it right with Rashi Rice. I don't think he's a great separator, but he's spectacular downfield in those contested areas, almost like a George Pickens type player. They used a second round pick on him. Clearly, they needed to address the need. That's how they thought. So maybe they got this pick right finally because they're terrible at drafting wide receivers. Corey Duff is the man. He put, you know, he's been taking quarterbacks the whole time. He's like, give me Kadarius Tony. I don't want. I don't think any of these guys are going to go to sleep properly if they draft Kadarius Tony. <laughs> All right. I mean, I guess I'll take Tyler Lockett. You know, just another year that Tyler Lockett is underrated and undervalued, and we'll go Tyler Lockett. I'm going to take John Mechie. You know, if what he has round two draft capital. People forget about him, but this is the wide receiver one in Houston. It's not Nico Collins. John Mechie is a guy that I'm putting on all my dynasty rebuild teams as a nice stash, he's someone that I think is going to increase drastically in value here where I see him, you know, these guys that I see him approaching more of that, you know, what we took in 10, 12 picks ago by the end of the year. I'm going to go with can't guard Mike just because what he's done in the past, I'm still stuck on it. I'm so pissed off that he stinks now and he He can't produce so many times. I just can't. I've I, we did an entire podcast two years ago when he was like coming back out, and I was like, "Yo, everybody, go buy Michael Thomas." And uh, I actually traded for Michael Thomas before Jalen Hurts started. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. I, he it, started off wide receiver seven, wide receiver five, wide receiver six, and wide receiver one. That's how his career started off. Since then, ninety three, nine sixteen, and one seventeen. <laughs> we each get, we each get one more pick. Let's make it count. I'll take Brandon Cooks. He's a guy that just he gets traded like every year or two, but he just continues to get traded for draft capital. So that just means enough teams actually value his services. So I'm excited to see him as a wide receiver too in that offense with Dak and CD. I hate this area, but I'm going to take Wandale Robinson. Someone's got to be the wide receiver too. We know Waller's going to be that number one target guy. I think Wandale Robinson in the slot is that wide receiver two position there for the Giants. So let's do it. I'm Last go one, Snook. Aiden Reed here. He was my one of my favorite sleeper wide receivers coming out, and he got very good draft capital early day two, and I think he compliments Christian Watson nice, good separator, good route runner. He's got the speed, playmaker downfield. So he does everything Christian Watson can't do. So I like how they complement each other. I gotta say, man, that was that was fun. Like that, I love doing these kind of exercises where we we sharpen each other up. JC, I mean, you 
I, your content is phenomenal, but you 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 backed it all up here. You know, like there's a difference between content creating and and podcasting and really you know putting that stuff out there. I I had a blast having you on here. Um, hopefully you did as well. Yeah. Why don't you tell somebody or tell all of our listeners again where they can find you? Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. I mean, it's great talking with you guys about Dynasty, especially wide receiver. We could just go for days and days talking about wide receiver values because there's just so many of them. But uh, Nerdboy and I have a podcast called Dynasty Dgens. You can find that on Spotify and YouTube and our YouTube channel. We have a bunch of cut-ups from the 2024, 2025 prospects and stuff. So if you want to get a jump start on seeing what some of these guys look like on the field, you can go to the YouTube page, and we got a bunch of those already. And then I have a sub stack where I release some of my long form articles. It's free to read and subscribe. It's jcjdynasty.substack.com. Yeah, I saw those cut-ups. That's some, that's some really good work, man. That's awesome stuff. So keep it up. Uh, Snoog, you know, you're, you're the graduate now. We're going to start, you know, pounding things out here. Again, congratulations. Congrats. I know you got some fire threads coming on again. So what, what are you working on right now? I have so many threads, I think 20 plus in the chamber right now. So I'm going to be just absolutely spamming those over the next like two weeks or so. But I'm trying to find that mid-round value because I truly believe that's where you win your league. And that's where you win your dynasty startups because you get those breakout wide receivers and running back values every single year. I'm going to be posting both running back and wide receiver mid-round picks, my favorite ones, who I'm drafting why and what those players have for a realistic ceiling in the future. And I'm also trying to focus in on single player dynasty values. Like my Justin Herbert tweet today, I'm just trying to find the values of stud elite players that are kind of being valued. Not like those, like their ceilings. Like Justin Herbert is a top three guy all day if he puts it all together. So I'm just trying to take advantage of stuff like that. I love it. We had that little tweet there came in from Los Leones uh, he put perfect timing right as my wife gets home. Haha, <laughs> thanks, guys. I don't know if that means you're tuning out your wife and listening to the Smash Except podcast, or you know, you you just got to go spend some time with your wife. Either way, thanks for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the process. <laughs>